Welcome to the Bourbon and Browns podcast, where the size of the fish doesn't matter, but the amount of bourbon left in your flask does. Join us as we talk life, fishing, and everything in between with your hosts, Justin and Bryce. All right, what's going on, everybody? Uh, it's been a hot minute. It's been a few months, actually, uh, since our last podcast. But as always, uh, you know, super steady. Uh, we're back, and I'm here with Justin. This is episode 13 uh, for Bourbon and Brown, so that's exciting. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Yeah, it's uh, it's good, man. Good to be back on the podcast. Uh, it's easy to set it aside for sure, but when I'm back on here, it gets the gets the blood flowing. I start thinking and start getting in getting in the mindset of uh, you know chasing some fish. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we just had a uh, a really good interview um, that we knocked out. I think got us back to back to break even here. Got us all back to zero, and you know got the uh, the juices flowing again. So um, I'm definitely feeling it right now. We able Absolutely. to get out of the water today and. You know, we uh, we got a big trip coming up in a, in a week, which, you know, I'm super excited about. I know you are, too. So, yeah, um, yeah, let's get after it, man. Yeah, the trip to Colorado that, uh, oh, man, I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, yeah, you're exactly right that uh, the interview was awesome. Lots of great information in there. We learned stuff. He learned stuff. Uh, definitely something I think anyone uh, that's either currently, uh, you know, super into fly fishing. Maybe you just got into it, or maybe you're looking to get into it for the first time. I uh, still think there's a ton of value there, um, you know, for for all the content that's on his page, uh, for sure. And that's uh, Andrew Purdy is who we interviewed, and uh, his Instagram tag is fishing on the fly underscore. And I definitely encourage you to go, you know, check his stuff out. Uh, on there but um, back to what you said you were able to get out today um, for the first time in a while how was that yeah absolutely um I actually uh, you know talking about scheduling this interview um, we've been talking about getting it uh, set up with Andrew for uh, a couple weeks now and we're able to to get it done and um, you know happened to um, do a little research on check out his uh, you know his Instagram uh, about two weeks ago I think now and um you know, just reading through some of the articles and, uh, it really got me thinking and, you know, got me wanting to get back out in the water and, you know, was able to do it today, um, earlier, uh, before the interview and, um, wanted to try out some of the things that Andrew, um, actually wrote about and, uh, you know, was much needed on the water. Um, as you'll, as you'll learn, like later on in the interview, um, my picture taking skills haven't improved at all. Um, <laughs> And I missed like a pretty, pretty decent rainbow, um, getting the good, uh, good trophy pick on, um, that was the only one I caught and I promise you it's not a tall tale. I actually did catch this fish, but yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe more like 12 inches. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, great day on the water is beautiful. Um, you know, sleeveless tea on. Oh, get my God. tan on and dude gotta have the sleeveless oh yeah i'm not bringing sleeves out to colorado it's just not happening yeah man so. hopefully we can uh hopefully we can stick to wet waiting if possible that water's usually pretty chilly coming you know during runoff just because it's all the all the snow melt but hey man 
we're gonna we're gonna brave it so i'm prepared either way for, for that for sure absolutely um but yeah we'll uh we'll hop into the interview with andrew um in the interview we hit all different types of topics and um you know learn a little bit more about andrew and his uh his website and his uh his instagram and the you know knowledge that he's trying to impart on the fly fishing community um we also hit a little bit of an update on our trip and uh you know, some of the other things we've got going on over here at Berman and Brown. So, um, you know, we'll jump right into that interview. All right. So uh, we're here with uh, with Andrew, Andrew Purdy. Uh, finally, uh, we were able to make this work. Super stoked to uh, to have you on. Uh, we got Justin on as well. So it's going to be a, a real good uh, episode, episode 13. But uh, Andrew's on the line, so I'll hand it off to him. He can kind of give a quick background uh, on how he was brought up into fishing, kind of what he does now and and all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Bryce uh, and Justin. Um, so my name is Andrew. I, uh, I'm the, the face behind Fishing on the Fly. Um, that's kind of the, that's the Instagram account that I run. We have a, a blog as well. Um, I actually sell some, some fly fishing gear on Amazon as well. So that's, uh, that's Fishing on the Fly. Um, but a little bit about me. I'm actually uh, a student at Northeastern University. So I'm actually 21 years old. I think a lot of people probably think I'm a little older than, than what I am uh, when they uh, when they read the posts. Um, so, 21, um, I'm from Boston. Uh, grew up about an hour north, um, and now obviously go to school in, in Boston um, at Northeastern. And kind of, let's see, my fishing background. Um, I've been fishing as long as I can remember. Uh, actually started conventionally um, back probably when I was like four or five years old and got really, really into it. And when I was probably 10 or 11 years old, um, my dad and I were, were given a gift certificate to the LLB and fly fishing school up in Maine um, as a gift for Christmas. And neither of us at the time knew anything about fly fishing. Uh, we were mostly you know, bass and pike anglers, so we didn't really know much about trout either. Um, but we went, went up for the, the class and they taught us how to fly cast and kind of the basics of the sport and from there i was just super intrigued um i, I won't say it was an instant success in fact it, it took us probably two years to catch our first fish um you know probably mostly a function of just not getting out on the water as much as you know i i would have liked to but um it was definitely a challenge at first and you know i, I had a lot of questions my dad was was new to fly fishing too so he couldn't really give me a lot of guidance and and that was sort of, you know, fast forward to, to me now, that was sort of the inspiration for starting Fishing on the Fly um, because I had a lot of questions. I didn't really, you know, have anybody to go to as I was learning. I was, you know, parsing through the Internet, watching different videos, reading books, um, trying to kind of accumulate as much information as possible. Um, but I, I always felt sort of maybe intimidated by the fly fishing community where I, you know, I go into a fly shop and all these guys were, using the Latin names of, of insects that I didn't know. And um, it definitely was, was a learning curve. So fishing on the fly is, is devoted to kind of being that, that source of information, uh, particularly for new anglers, but we've got you know, a lot of content for, for people of all levels. Um, and really just trying to, to bring down that, that barrier to entry to, to the sport, because I think a lot of people just miss out because they, they get intimidated by, you know, the fancy casts and all the, all the jargon that we use. Um, so I try to try to bring it down to that level and make it easy for people who are just learning. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. So that's a, that's a great rundown. And uh, I'm not going to speak for Justin, but we've talked about this uh, many times. Um, getting into the sport, uh, like you said, can be a very daunting task, you know, like just the cost of it, all the knowledge that it takes, you know, because um, yeah, I just, I love the page, man. Fishing, fishing on the fly. It's, it's got, there's just so much content on here. You know what I mean? It's, it, you're able to share not only, uh, peop, other people's personal experiences, um, but your, your, your ability to write and make sense of kind of what you're trying to drive home, uh, is, is really impressive. I, I love the short reads, you know, I always see you, see you make a post and I'm like, cool, let's give it a read. And, and and most more often than not, you know, I'm I'm learning something, which is which is great. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on that, Justin? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think one of the one of the things I've noticed that we're missing in the fly fishing community as a whole is you're not getting a whole lot of the the step by step. Like, you know, I there's people out here who will string a fly line through the you know the hook holder, you know, and there's these little things that you know. Um, dudes who haven't been fly fishing their entire lives or like don't have the, um, you know, older mentor to bring them up through the sport that you just don't know. And it's, it's really nice to see, like, especially the younger, younger generations now, like we're kind of all having to start out on our own and Mm -hmm. we're getting that good content because we've all been, been there where we're like teaching ourselves and we're, we're breaking rods and, you know, (laughs) using, using like, you know, the wrong, the wrong shit and. Um, making those mistakes and it's taken us years to years to do it and um, you know it's it's going to help the future generation so it's a uh, it's really good to see your blog with all of the information in it that you know seasoned fly fishermen aren't gonna you know be like oh yeah like I, I know how to do this like duh everybody knows how to do it but you don't when you're just starting out so it's a uh, it's refreshing for sure yeah totally I, I appreciate that I mean it's 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 an interesting thing, right? Because I, I wouldn't consider myself an expert. And I think actually most of us aren't, you know, we're always kind of in that journey of, of learning and picking things up from our time out on the water and, and other anglers. Um, but what I, what I try to do is just sort of pass on what I have accumulated in terms of knowledge and, and experience and, and pass it on to, to people who are, who are newer. So the one thing that I always, you know, because I'm you know, posting a lot of tips and advice and things like that, I always, get a little weary because I don't, I don't want people to think that I'm trying to, you know, pose as some, <laughs> some guru, right. Some expert. Um, I, I'm just trying to, to pass on the things that, you know, were, were tough for me when I was starting because there were a lot of, like you said, like goofy things that I did that were just like, I look back now and I'm like, what the hell, you know, <laughs> like just not, um, just really easy to fix problems, but nobody ever goes out and like tells you how to solve them. So, that's kind of the the vision and I'm glad you guys have, you know, kind of picked up on it so far. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the fly fishing community as a whole can be kind of, kind of tricky too, because it's almost, it's almost like golf where, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's, it's almost professional in nature. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, you got to be careful with you know, how you come off and you, there's always like the purists who are out there and, you know, I'm sure there's, there's plenty of guys who have, you know, turned on the podcast, looked at my blog and been like, you know, look at this idiot. Like, you know, what a, what a knucklehead, you know? Um, yeah. so you gotta be careful with, with how you do it. But at the same time, it's like times are changing and you know, it's no longer the, uh, 
um, the older generation of fly fishermen growing up and, you know, you gotta, you gotta get with the times, I guess, and start to realize that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the kids our age and, you know, the, the younger generation now too, I'm getting old, man, <laughs> calling, calling kids the younger generation now. Um, I'm a little bit older, but, um, you know, it's tough because you just don't have that background. Like I don't have anybody in my family who, who fly fishes and, you know, mm-hmm. it, Bryce was lucky enough to, to have his dad and, you know, I'm sure he feels the same way though, where you've got, you know, all this, I mean, you're basically, you're trying to learn and, you know, you've got, you walk into a fly shop and, you know, you'll get one or two older guys who give you shit for asking the little <laughs> questions, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, Bryce, like I know, I know we've talked about this a lot before. Uh, what's it like coming from a different standpoint, someone who, you know, has been fly fishing their entire life? Yeah. So you know, having, having at least, uh, you know, my dad at least had some knowledge to kind of start out with, with fly fishing. And literally since, since I hooked that first fish when I was about 12 years old, like I've never looked back. It was just something you can't recreate, uh, through other, other means. You know, I played sports, I bow hunt and those things are great, but there's just something like connect, like connecting with a fish on the other end, you know, whether it's you tied your own flies and, and you fooled it, uh, into thinking that it was, you know, an actual food source, uh, you know, an X, X river stream or, or, or a lake, but, uh, it's definitely rewarding. And I think it just made me more hungry to learn more information and kind of develop my own style. Uh, you know, and now it's kind of funny. My dad and I talk about this a lot, but it's really become like the, you know, the, the teacher has become the student, uh, as my dad likes to call it, you know, cause now like, you know, Justin and I are going on a trip to Colorado, um, next week for a week. And, you know, he's like, you know, he's like, what flies do I need? You know, how do I need to rig all this up? You know, where are we going? What do the flows look like? And I'm like, oh, don't worry. I got, I got you. You know, I show up, I rig, I rig his stuff up, you know, I tie the knots and everything and, and kind of guide my dad. And that's, it's super rewarding when you finally reached a point where you can kind of provide, you know, insight and, and share your experiences with people, which I think Andrew, you do very well, man. I, I know I just said that, but you, you write very well and you convey the information concisely and, uh, and it's fun, man. It's a, it's a fun read and it's, you know, it doesn't take you, you know, four hours to read through the content. It's just like, Hey, here's your, here's your quick tip, which I love. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. Um, I, th- I think it's interesting what you said about the, the teacher becomes the student. Because um, my dad and I kind of have a similar similar dynamic where, you know, my my dad got me into just conventional fishing when I was when I was a real little kid. Um, but as we got into fly fishing, you know, it, it was interesting because at a certain point, maybe when I was ten or eleven years old, like I really went deep uh, in fishing, right? Like I was watching, you know bass fishing tv shows on the weekends instead of cartoons like i I was that kid and my i quickly surpassed my dad in terms of his knowledge of just fishing in general and when it comes to fly fishing now i mean you know all respect to my dad love him dearly but he uh he's not he's not the best fly angler out there and so i'm you know when we get out on the river i'm uh i'm coaching him through it and it's it's just funny because you know obviously i still feel like a kid he's my dad like i always will and uh you know having to kind of, you know, tie the knots and say, Oh no, you, you know, you got drag in your drift. Like you gotta, you gotta fix that. Um, just kind of a, a funny full circle thing. Cause he is the one who got me into fishing in the first place. 
Yeah, that is that is very interesting, right? So you, you just mentioned that real that little detail right there, like you know, drag feed drift. People don't understand how important that is. Whether you're indicator fishing, whether you're throwing a streamer, you know, whether you're check nymphing, any any type of you know uh, approach that you're using, uh, it, you know, within fly fishing. Uh, a drag feed drift is is huge and it's just one small component but it can make all the difference um i think justin might have talked about that you know like at certain times your technique and you know the drift of your flies is actually more important than the flies you have tied on and it's it's wild to think about you know because you're like if i may not have the right color or the right size but if i have something that's in the foods you know the food stream that day uh, which is pretty pretty fairly easy to figure out as long as I'm getting a good drift, there's a good chance I can fool a couple trout, uh, you know, or whatever species you're chasing. So we've <laughs> we've kind of gone around the ringer on that one, but it's it's uh, refreshing to see that you know a small detail like that uh, can make all the difference. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean those those first you know, I mentioned those first couple of years when we didn't catch many fish. It was it was not that we were fishing the wrong places. You know, I, I learned to read water pretty quickly and you know understood least the basic food sources but it was just the the presentation skills like you know i couldn't i couldn't approach a fish and and get a good drift off without you know spooking it and and that that affects your success obviously so i think that's you know at least in my perspective um probably the most important thing for a new angler as you get into the sport is just learning how to manage your line and current because you know you mess that up and and your your flies out of the strike zone before you even get a chance Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I think we're we're all on the same page where it's more, you know, just get that good presentation and really the fly selection comes second. You know, we we've, we've had this discussion a lot and you know, it's it's something that's really up for debate um, you know, depending on the on the fly fisherman really. Um, I mean, I think we've all, you know, started out buying hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of flies. You know, saying, "Oh yeah, I, I need this. I need this midge, or I need this." Uh, was that you know, a, was that an exaggeration, fly. Justin? Or no, no, that no? was that was that's oh an actual God. thing. I mean, I know I spent thousands of dollars on fly rods that broke, <laughs> so <laughs> I can tell you right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, like you know, I I remember like you know before a trip, like when I first started, I'd literally toss and turn all night like beat myself up about forgetting to tie a certain fly, you know, and then you'll go, you know, fish, you know, like a, a class A, you know, blue ribbon stream and you'll catch fish on a pheasant tail, you know, and you're like, okay, well that was a total waste of time tying all those <laughs> flies when I'm just going to catch them on a Frenchie anyway, you know, like this yeah. is bullshit. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's really, it's up for debate, you know, um, and it kind of leads into my, you know, my, I guess my signature question now with all of our interviews that we've done, um, when you, when you're hitting the water for the first time, um, or not the first time, but you know, you're just hitting the water. Like what are your, um, techniques? Like, what are you looking for? Um, are you looking for structure first? Are you looking for, um, hatches? Are you looking for flows? Like what's, what's your approach to, uh, to reading the water and deciding what your first cast is going to be? Yeah, totally. Um, it's interesting because I think it, it kind of varies, um, at least for me, for, for the, the stretch of water that I'm fishing. And, you know, I may or may not have been there before. So I kind of might have an idea of, of 
you know, where fish tend to hold and, and where they don't and what could be hatching. But what, one thing that is constant that I always do is, uh, and this can be tough, especially you know, if you're, you're not, you're kind of pressed for time or you don't get out as much as you want, but you literally just like sit on the bank and take it in and, and look around looking, you know, if there are fish rising, um, you know, paying attention to the air, right. If you're, if you are in a hatch, right. Trying to visualize, or it's not visualize, but you know, identify what, what's hatching at that very moment or, you know, looking in streamside vegetation, looking under rocks, just kind of, and I think actually this helps me like enjoy the experience more too. just become really present in, you know, on that riverbank and take it all in. And then things kind of speak to you. That, that's what I've found at least is that if you just kind of slow down and, and take it in, you'll, you'll notice that seam over there that you might not have caught, you know, if you, if you rushed in and, and just started casting or, you know, you'll see, you'll see some, um, some uh, casings, right. You know, on a, on a rock on the side of the, of the river. Like these are the types of things that I look for. It's not always like a formulaic thing, but I always kind of take a few moments to, to center myself before I get out there. And I actually find that it, it makes it more enjoyable for me too. So Justin, um, that, yeah, that's, we've, we talked about that, right? Like it's like tactical patience. I hate to, I hate to bring the tactical part of this into it, but like we have a saying in the army, it's like, don't rush to failure. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, you spent all this money, you've traveled all this way, maybe, um, you know, you're, you're psyched to go, to go out and make that first cast, but like, you don't even, you don't even know what the conditions are truly. Right. So just like you said, taking the time and, and fishing the water from inside to out, you know, don't, don't go straight to the, to the, the pristine water, like fish the edges, you know, cause you, you just never know fish might be holding, you know, in, in places you would have never suspected, uh, in the first place. So that's actually, uh, at least from my side of things, I think that's a great tip, uh, especially for younger people. You know, it's like, I know a lot of people will say, try to fish, um, as much water as you can without being in it. Um, you know, if you can avoid being in the water to make a cast to a certain lie, like you definitely should. Um, you know, some people like to just kind of wade up the river as they go or wade down river. That's a whole nother topic. Some people don't really think it through, you know, they're, they're kicking up all this silt and stuff as they move down the river, you know, versus working their, working their way down first and then coming back up, um, so that they're not spooking fish, which is, uh, important as well. But I don't know, Justin, I mean, that, that hits it pretty good on, on, a in, ter in terms of, uh, just kind of surveying everything before you get going. Yeah, I mean, I just Leroy Jenkins the shit out of everything. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> you no, come I, barreling I mean, down the hill with oh, your with your nine weight on a on a I'm spring like a creek and just shop, <laughs> for real. But uh, no, I mean, it, it's it's interesting because it's something that um, you know something that I've been working on as well, trying to trying to be a little bit more tactical in my approach more more from like a hunting standpoint than a fishing standpoint almost um mm -hmm. where you're you know your approach from the car all the way to you know the the river um from a fishing standpoint versus like the car to a, a tree stand or a you know a, a pushing spot something when you're hunting um it's kind of the same thing so you don't just start hunting when you you know get to your get to your tree stand it's the entire way in and um the entire way back out and same thing with fishing where um you know i'm trying to work on more taking in everything as i get there forcing myself which is you know it's really hard for me to you know not rig up at the truck and just barrel down to the water but 
um, you know, more importantly, not tying on any flies, not putting any weight on until you get on the water. Um, you know, and I mean, obviously I'm trying to impress some of the, the girls in the parking lot, you know, but it, sometimes you just gotta, gotta rig that, rig that rod up and not, not tie any flies or split shot on and just get down to the water, you know, get away from everyone, check things out. But, uh, always interesting to see how people, um, you know, different people react, um, to the water and, you know, one of the one of the things that you know I always love to hear from from everybody I talk to, whether it be you know on these podcasts or you know out in the water itself, I just want to know how people react and get ready for you know fishing different types of water that they've never fished before, whether it be you know um, the Farmington. I think I think is that the uh, the river up in Vermont, Farmington, the famous one. Farmington. I'd have to. I- I've heard, I've, I know that name I'm, I, and I know it's over my way too. I'm not sure if it's Vermont or I almost want to say it's Western Mass. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I know that I know the name never fished it. Yeah. So I like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to branch out a little bit and trying to fish, you know, some water that I've never fished before. And, you know, a topic that keeps coming up is, well, how do you prepare for that? And it kind of goes along with how do you prepare for a, a river that you fish before? Um, you know, how would you, go about like, Hey, I want to go fish the Farmington. I want to go fish the West branch of the Delaware or the South Platte. I've never fished before. What are you looking for? Like what, what things stand out to you? Um, are you doing, you know, map recon? Are you doing, you know, fishing report recon? Um, what kind of things are you looking for? comes to something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it, it definitely depends a little bit regionally, right? So like if you're talking about some some you know really well-known rivers right like one of the one of the places i fish a lot um is west branch the Sable, um up in the adirondacks right it's a really well-known fishing area and if i were you know going there for the first time or you know south platte any of the the ones you mentioned um i'm thinking i'd probably so i'm probably going to go to the fly the first fly shop i see um and, and try to try to talk to the guys there and just get you know even just like walk through the walk through the aisles a little bit and kind of just listen because i think there's a lot of valuable uh chat that goes on um in fly shops i know i mentioned the west branch there's one up there that i always go to and and before i hit the water even even though i know that water i'm always going to that fly shop to just kind of get an idea of what the conditions are like um from people who either just came from the river or from you know the guys in there that work there and and you know hear all of the the latest news so that's probably the first thing um but actually another thing that i do and you know if it's a lesser known body of water and i actually just recently did this on a on a place pretty close to home i didn't even know held trout um just you know doing doing some research online trying to just look up you know x x river fishing right and just kind of get an idea of a what's there what kind of you know hatches you might see um, and then look, look in maps. And I, I literally, what I did actually for this, this river nearby that I mentioned is I, I looked on Google maps and I actually made a list of every time a road intersected with that river, um, you know, looking for access points. And so made a list and then, um, you know, actually I had time before I was able to actually fish it. So I drove around and scouted each location out just for river access kind of get an idea of what the water looked like right is it fast is it slow um is there structure is there not uh but that's kind of the way i think about it so you know first thing is getting that intel if you can from boots on the ground and then if you can't just 
Googling the shit out of it and, and then uh, trying to find some, some places that you can actually access it. Right on, man. Yeah, access is always like the, the, the killer, especially, I mean, down here <laughs> yeah. in PA, I'm sure – I'm sure you deal with the same the same thing up north. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Bryce, you don't really have that problem out west, you know. I'm sure in Louisiana it's not that great, but yeah, I, I I'm not. It's not so much private property out here. It's just uh, the bushwhacking that really uh, prevents you from from getting access. It's it's extremely tight down yeah, here. Yeah, you, you got some gators, huh? Yeah, some gator. You got to contend with a couple gators. You just you just never know what you're gonna get out here. But uh, yeah, out out in Colorado and and Montana and stuff. I mean, I know there's there's different things going on with you know public stretches and people trying to privatize it and stuff, which you know is a whole another whole another thing. But um, generally you're going to have the access you need. Um, you know, it's like the the high water mark on access here as your no go zone. So as long as you're below that, you can still walk on the banks. You know, a lot of people float for that reason, but, um, yeah, that's, those are some great points for sure. Um, so one thing that I know you and I had kind of just briefly touched on, uh, when we were talking, but, uh, is kind of like the, the photography aspect of fly fishing. And we've, I think Justin, we we're three for three now. I think we brought this up in the last three interviews, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it's because I'm horrible at taking pictures of my fish. That's yeah, why. so <laughs> you just keep you just keep same, hitting same me Justin, with it. Same Justin. Yeah, so, yeah. Bryce Bright, will go out here and like you know he'll take he'll take two pictures and they'll be like you know just epic pictures they can just post anywhere and like you know <laughs> hundreds of likes on Instagram and like I'll be out here every day and I'm like. I can't even find the the camera on my phone, you know. It's killing me. Yeah. So Bryce just never lets me live that shit down. In fact, I did, right, right before you called in, I was telling him today I, I just caught like a I caught like a 17, 18 inch rainbow out of like this little uh, creek right down the street from my house, and I got a new phone. I could not find the camera to save my life. So epic, I swear to God, yeah, I swear fail. to God, I wasn't, uh, you know wasn't making this up at all you know <laughs> probably more like struggle. Four, I mean, that, 14 inches would be my guess <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, that's the thing if you if you suck at photography you can always just say oh i couldn't get a photo of it but you know you add a few inches there and, and yeah. nobody nobody, yeah, yeah, nobody questions y'all are playing checkers and i'm playing 3d chess <laughs> um so yeah on that topic so like i recently um i was kind of dealing with the same thing so like my setup for um taking photos originally was a like uh i think it was the gen 3 gopro right um i would have a little collapsible tripod that i could just kick out it was already screwed onto that so i just have it you know strapped down on my pack i throw down the tripod uh turn on the gopro you know the fish is still in the net uh in the water and then um you know, I turn it on and I have it, you know, set up to basically take 10 burst photos. Uh, and then I, you know, I click, I click the screen to kind of focus everything. And then I literally just start it. So the first couple are kind of, you know, kind of insignificant, but as you, you just rarely raise the fish up, get a couple shots, um, you can kind of see yourself. So that's helpful. And then, and then, you know, release the fish. So I was running that for a while, but I think my GoPro is at like a 12 megapixel or so. So it's pretty comparable to like an iPhone or, or, you know, pick your phone. So I actually was, we were fishing. Justin and I were out of the South Holston, which is actually um, out in eastern Tennessee, uh, close to Car- North Carolina, and uh, great tailwater, by the way. But we met this guy um, out there, CJ, CJ Lord. Um, I think he, you're probably familiar with him. He, I think he fishes with um, Ben, 
that's also in that area. I've seen a couple of posts on, on, on your page that, that featured him, but, um, they, uh, I met him in the parking lot. Justin and I were finishing a float and, and they were all, um, the Appalachian Furrow Leader Co. guys were all in the parking lot and just bullshit. And we ended up talking to him and I was like, you know, they gave us a couple leaders and, and we kind of went on our way, but I ended up reconnecting with CJ on Instagram and I was like, mm-hmm. we, we, at, at some point, like five minutes into the conversation, I was like, dude, I think you're the guy from the parking lot. <laughs> and we like, <laughs> we, we like reconnected, but, uh, he had a really great rundown on how to do it. So he runs a, uh, which is actually the camera I have now. It's a, it's a Canon EOS six, um, mirrorless camera and it's not your full frame DSLR, but it's, it's like, it's really good. It's got 24 megapixel on it. Um, and it's got an LCD screen that you can basically flip up. So it's like a selfie screen. And so you can see everything that you're about to take a picture of. And so now I have that mounted on a tripod as well. And that kind of acts as my way to, uh, to capture photos. I can either, you know, run it manually or, or put it in auto. And he, he basically said the same thing. You know, he's like, you put it, you, you, you take the fish out of the water, you focus it on the eye of the fish, and then you can put the fish back in the water. You, uh, you set it to, you know, a 10 photo burst. And out of 10 photos, you know, you're going to get pretty much um, two or three, you know, stellar shots. And that's kind of how he approaches um, photography uh, on, his, on his own, you know, in, in lieu of having a fishing partner. Um, but, yeah, with the tripod, you just kick it out real quick. Super effective. Um, I know your thoughts are on that, but. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so it's funny. Like, you know, you probably could tell from we went back and forth a little bit on on Instagram. Um, like I, I'm brand, I, I don't say brand new, but I'm pretty new to actually like being intentional about the photography that I'm doing when I'm out there. And, uh, one of the challenges, so I, so I have a, I have a Canon, um, T7i, so an EOS as well. Um, DSLR, so not mirrorless. And, uh, I do have a, a little, you know, gorilla pod tripod. So I, I've got the, the hardware that you need to, to kind of take that approach. The thing that and maybe this is me babying my camera, but the thing that always gets me is, you know, DSLR. That, that's a pretty, it's a pretty chunky camera, and um, you know, taking it out on the water and and not wanting to to damage it or get it wet. Do you have any any tips there for for how you guys go about like actually keeping that camera safe? Because that's that's the thing that that has held me back, right? Because I, I I have a GoPro as well. What I do a lot of times is I'll just I'll mount that on the chest and I'll actually just run video from it. Um, so I de- you know, ideally I, I keep that there and I don't have to take it off and, and, uh, you know, take that 10, 10 photo burst, but any tips on, on like waterproofing or storage um, for your cameras? Yeah. So I know personally, right. I have like a camera bag. Um, it's not waterproof, mm-hmm. but it's just, you know, protects it from, you know, just, minor drops and stuff like that right so camera bag but i know a lot of people that travel with several lenses you know maybe a couple actual frames themselves um use like a a waterproof bag of sorts so whether it's like an umqua like a sealed waterproof uh chest pack or sorry waist uh waist pack or uh the patagonia backpacks that are fully sealed and waterproof depending on how much gear you have uh, some guys keep them in the little pouches in their waders. Like they just tuck them. I know, I think CJ wears it around his neck and just tucks it kind of in his, in his waders. Cause it's a lot of guys will argue that they don't want to miss the shot, you know, cause you're not necessarily taking pictures of, of just fish that are caught. You're, you're capturing the entire experience. And so 
if you're if you're right. if your camera's packed away in your bag and something you know and something pops up you might not have time to to get the shot and so you do have to play that fine line between yeah i have an expect expensive camera and i don't want to drop it in the water or break it or anything like that but also you kind of have to be willing to take a little bit of risk you know like there's some super cool rain shots you know that guys take and i'm like how are they getting these and they're like well <laughs> I'm literally letting a little bit of water on my camera. Like it, it is risky, but you know, they yeah. are meant to kind of repel water, you know, maybe not a, a torrential submersion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but still, you know, the fact of the matter is, is you got to be willing to kind of use it out there. And I think, yeah, it's, it, it's a tough one, man, but I would say a waterproof bag of some sort um, would help a lot. Probably just in terms of like, you know, if you fell or, dropped it and maybe it, it wouldn't uh, completely break your camera yeah yeah totally i mean it's i agree like i I've, I've shopped around a little bit looking at waterproof cases it's just a like i think for me it's it's you know you catch fish you got it in your net and then having to fumble around like get get to your bag or if you're actually like wading out in the river kind of you know relatively far right and you don't get all the way over to the bank you know trying to <laughs> to figure that out right and, and place a tripod but you know, to your point, I think it's, I think it's a great point. Like, yeah, it's an expensive camera, but at the end of the day, it's like, you got it to, to take photos. So if you're not exactly. going to use it, then it kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have like a Sims, uh, sling pack. And so it has like these two, these two, like basic, like just these little clips, right? Like with, with straps and that's if my tripod fits right in there. Um, so it, it is fairly, uh, quick to access it if you didn't have to actually reach into a bag. Um, but yeah, I, I see, I see your point, you know, it's like, how long do I want this fish sitting in my net? You know, cause you talk, I know one of your, one of your recent, uh, write-ups was kind of about like, you know, handling the handling of fish, you know, and that, which is super mm -hmm. important. Um, so I, I'm with you, man. If it, if, you know, if you're in a certain spot and it just doesn't look like you're going to be able to have time, you might just have to cut your losses and, and, and let it ride. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it's a challenge but you gotta you gotta balance it so uh, something i'm personally working on is trying to get some more um you know because like you, you mentioned uh you know, some of the the photos and, and visuals i post a lot of it most of it is actually coming from from other people in the fly fishing community and sure. i try to add my value in the caption um but you know long term like i don't i don't you know i, I don't view myself as a as a reposting account but i don't want to be even you know, long-term in that category, right? I want to be putting out my own stuff. And some of it's a function of just getting out on the water enough and, and getting that content. But another part of it's, you know, actually capturing the moments that I spend out there. So definitely, uh, definitely something for me to work on going forward and definitely going to try the, uh, some of your tips there. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Justin, I, I'm not trying to leave you out of this. I know you're, you just mentioned you couldn't find the, the camera on your phone. So I, I didn't know, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if there was a, a ton of value there. Uh, but, uh, where there is value is, uh, what you mentioned about your account, um, you know, and that you are kind of basically sharing, uh, these incredible photos and videos from other accounts, you know, um, their, their willingness mm -hmm. to, to let you post those and, and to discover them, you know, too. Uh, which is cool because there's a lot of accounts that I'm like not familiar with. And, you know, I see a write up and I see like oh, a photo by, you know, take a little click and, and now you're on another journey. And the next thing you know, you've been onto 20 different accounts and you just wasted the last you know hour of your life. But no, I'm just kidding. It's all good content. But um, for you, Justin, what uh, 
what stands out the most? Like, I know you, you've written about so many topics, but I'm sure there's one, Justin, maybe that's like, you know, at the top of your list. And then maybe Andrew, one for you, where it's just like, you know, if you could write about one thing um, that really drives, drives, you know, drives home, you know, point A or point B, you kind of think about that. But I'll pass it off to Justin and see what you got. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I, I got stuck on the latest blog post that you had and the uh, um, the latest post that there was um, with the uh, the flash versus no flash just because I happened to be fishing today. Um, I got lucky to get out and, uh, you know, I was I was throwing like a rainbow warrior and I had a bunch of, uh, you know, flashback pheasant tails and super sunny for like the first time in, you know, probably two weeks here in Pennsylvania and, you know, one of the things we've always done was, you know, if it's sunny, throw flash. If it's, um, you know, if it's overcast, throw a, you know, real, um, you know, natural and, and dull flies. And, uh, you know, I tried it and, you know, I, I only caught one fish today, which sucked and, you know, just like put me in my place. But it was yeah. interesting <laughs> that I read, I read that article a couple of days ago, um, on your Instagram and then I came out here and I was like, oh, I'm going to throw, you know, probably the flashiest fly that I have. Um, versus throwing something dull in, you know, relatively clear and sunny conditions um, for the first time that we've had in PA probably in, you know, a couple months. So, um, you know, real interesting that I was able to kind of put some of the, um, you know, some of the points that you got, you hit um, in the play, and then, you know, we get to talk about it, you know, which is great. Um, so, yeah, in my, my standpoint, I think it's one of the most interesting parts of fly fishing where it's like there's nothing flashy with these bugs in the water. You know, if you look at these bugs, there's nothing flashy about them. I mean, maybe there's like a like the exoskeleton is like putting off like a weird like little tint, but like you're not getting, you know, a little little piece of tinsel on these things. <laughs> so like what makes fish hit those and what makes you want to tie them? You know, so it's it's super interesting and you know, it's really really cool that we can catch fish on, you know, purple just like flashy pink flies when there's nothing like that in the water um you know so i i, I like that you hit that um when you know i'm, I'm over here kind of getting skunked so <laughs> um <laughs> but, but yeah um, i, I kind of wanted to wanted to hit like what's your uh what's your next um you know next post going to be about what are you uh what are you thinking like what's on your mind now that we're kind of entering the uh the early parts of summer here yeah i don't, I don't know man actually it's it's um it's interesting that you bring that up because the, the process that I use to, to write these now, you know, a lot of the, the stuff that I'm putting out every day is, is on Instagram. So it's those captions. Um, I'm also trying to, to build out the blog as well and, and kind of make some unique content for, for both places, uh, which gets a little bit tough with, you know, time, just time investment, you know, it's trying to balance a lot of different things, but um, it's interesting because the process is, is often, pretty impulsive so like i actually don't have like i have a, a document that i keep of of you know stuff that i'm i'm writing or working on so i have a couple kind of you know pretty much ready to go now i'm trying i'm actually like looking at my phone right now trying to see what the most recent one is um but a lot of times what i'm doing is i'm, I'm actually just you know i'm looking through instagram right and i'm looking at different people's photos or i'm just thinking about like where <laughs> thinking about that journey of, of learning to fly fish and like different areas that, um, 
kind of hung me up when I was when I was starting. Or like I'll look at I'll look at a photo or a video, and it sort of inspires something in me, and I just sit down and write it when I when I get time. So like I actually don't have I don't have it planned out just yet. Um, at least for the the blog side of things, I think I you know I, I plan my posts a little bit ahead of time on Instagram. Um, but I, I do also want to you know write some longer form stuff on the blog, and I actually don't have that chosen yet. So. The next one, let's see. I'm looking at that document right now. <laughs> um, next one, I think, talking about approaching fish, actually. So how to how to uh, change your cast cadence um, based on, you know, how the fish is reacting to your drifts, right? Because you're not always going to, you're not always going to hook up the fish on the first drift if you're, if you're sight fishing and you're working it. Um but it's a delicate balance, right? You know, if you if a fish is feeding and it's feeding at its own cadence, you don't want to be throwing cast after cast at it when it's not going to actually rise or it's not actually going to take for another two minutes or whatever the cycle is. So that's kind of kind of what I'm talking about in the next one. Um, but my my process is, as you might imagine, is kind of sporadic for for how I write them. <laughs> oh no, I got you, man. That's that's how we are, really. I mean. Like I'll get I'll get something in my head and I'm I'm kind of more on the long form, um, where I'll just kind of like write stream of consciousness. Um, I guess that's mm-hmm. the term for it. I don't know. It's been been years since school, but um, yeah. you know, like that's that's kind of how I write. Where it's it's like yeah, okay, like this is interesting to me. I'm just gonna write about it and I'm gonna you know make an ass of myself while I do it and enjoy every second of it. You know. Um, yeah. But I know Bryce is a little bit more clear and concise with how he wants to do it and how he wants to plan things out and and go about it and um i think we we end up getting like a good mixture of of blog posts and point of views from it um so it's interesting to see how other people um you know kind of go about planning their their topics and it's it's good to know i'm not the only uh um you know spur of the moment guy out there so you know screw you bryce yeah, yeah. Sorry, Justin. Yeah. I, I like to plan. So we're we're like I said, we're going on a trip to Colorado, right? In like a week and a half. And like Justin's mm-hmm. Justin's got a lot going on. And like I, I keep I keep bugging him. I'm like, dude, have you have you tied any flies? Like, where do you want to fish? Like, I'm looking at the flows, and he's like, he's probably like, Jesus, dude. I just want to get to just want to get to the destination. We'll just roll the dice <laughs> and, and crush it, and, and we will. You know, it's gonna be a great time. But yeah, planning everything yeah, out. I do the same thing, man. I. uh I got a little note section in my iPhone and every time, you know, an idea pops up, boom, goes in there, you know, blog post ideas, bam, bam, bam. And on that topic, I think this is kind of interesting to talk about, but I think, I think the way, like, again, going back to kind of how you write and how you convey things, I've been toying with a couple ideas and number one is the blur effect. So I know you've seen all the photos, right? People will blur out their backgrounds, uh, to kind of mask their spot, if you will. Um, one bad choice of photo op, right? You could probably just take it in a fashion which wouldn't show your spot if it's that big of a deal. Two, right. why are you worried about it in the second place? Like, if people are doing legit intel, like, to find out where you're fishing and stuff, like, gr- good on them. You know what I mean? Like, there's plenty <laughs> of fish in the river. They're going to find it. Yeah, like I just, find it. it just seems like silly like, to me. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fishing the little Lehigh. Like, yeah, I know every fucking spot on that river 
Like, I don't know what to tell you, you know, like you're yeah. like well, blurring it out. is not going to. Yeah. Know, and a lot of these anything. rivers are, are, you know, four to 10,000 fish per mile. You know, there's plenty of fish to go around. Like I would never, you know, unless it's just some random person, you know, I'm not going to give, you know, give away too much information. But for the most part, like I'm pretty willing to share. And it just cracks me up, man, because it'd be it'd be a little bit controversial. I feel like, you know, people would kind of be offended like, oh, well, I don't want people to know my fishing spot. And it's like, OK, then why are you posting pictures anyway? You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I don't want your yeah. hero shot. Like I want to, I want to see the scenery. I want to, you know, I want content. Like I want to be, I want to feel like I'm part of the photo. I don't want just a grip and grin, you know, if you will. Um, if I, if I could avoid that, but that was the first one, man. Um, and if you poach it, no worries. I'd rather have you write it than me personally. Um, <laughs> cause, cause I think it's good, man. It's just a good topic. Cause you know, I'm sure a lot of people think about it, but I haven't seen a lot of content on it. The other one, is uh we can we can kind of discuss this as a group but um being a purist what does it mean to be a purist and i t- i i have a hard time with this one between bow hunting and fly fishing right i'm pretty i'm pretty into bow hunting to say the least uh and then fly fishing is you know pretty much my life so um between those two things it's like people always say like oh you're you're a purist like why do you care what you know why can't i throw a wacky worm you know uh for bass is that is that against the rules and and the answer is no, it's not right. But at what point, at what point do you draw the line on a purist? Is a purist somebody that simply uh, throws dry flies only? Uh, is somebody uh, a purist if they uh, they don't use their bow, they use a recurve bow, uh, or maybe they use a spear? Right? Are you making the spear out of wood? Are you are you are you uh, chiseling the rock? You know, are you using a tree stand? Are you hunting bears with spears? Or are you fishing with you know right. a ten car rod made out of actual bamboo, no actual line? You know, how far are you taking this? Yeah. And it's just interesting to think You're about. You're getting real crazy here, Bryce. No, no, it's it's yeah. a legitimate it's a legitimate <laughs> You're question. Real crazy because you yeah. you start thinking about it, and people are like, "Oh, you hunt with a compound bow," or "Oh, you fish with you know you don't fish with a glass rod." It's like everybody just has an opinion, and I love it because it's like. What it, what, well, what is the get somebody who's got a problem? Oh, for sure. You know, but, yeah, and it's like, why would you judge me if I nymph, you know, versus dry fly fish, or if I only streamer fish? Like, what what does it matter? Like, what what is, there is no definition of of a purist. Yeah, no, dude, I I I'm right there with you. I think it's, you know, going back to that initial intimidation factor. You know, I was first getting into the sport. Like, purists were the, you know, and I don't mean to be you know, derogatory towards them. But like that, that was the reason why it was so challenging for me is I was uncomfortable going in and asking those questions. And I, I honestly, I, I don't think I, however you want to catch fish, like all the power to you, in my opinion, like I, I think being a purist is, is more a reflection of, of how you're treating other anglers than it is like what you actually do. Um, you know, the way I look at it, it's like if you enjoy indicator nymphing, then go for it, right? Like if that's how you want to catch fish, if that's that's what works for you, that's what you're comfortable with, then fine, right? Like I, I think, you know, people people in fly fishing in particular are in this sport for a lot of different reasons. And I think, you know, whether, you know, you only fish tankara or you'll, you know, do any technique in the book, like it doesn't really matter. You're doing it for you and you're doing it for the experience and, um, I don't know. I'd like to see the community be just a little less judgmental of, of others in terms of, you know, oh, you fish for stalkers. Oh, you fish for natives. Like, at the end of the day, man, it's it's fishing. We're out there to have a good time and, and enjoy the sport. And, you know, I don't know. I, for me personally, I, I, I like to catch fish, bottom line. 
So if that means I'm even like if that means I'm fly fishing or that means I'm fishing conventionally. Like I just like to fish. Honestly, I like to be out there. I like to challenge myself and learn new things. And you know, it doesn't matter what technique I'm using. So that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, for sure. Like if I got to use my hands, I will. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. It really like, don't matter. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, yeah, my to to summarize, <laughs> I, I think being a purist is is old-fashioned i think you should respect the way other people fish yeah i would agree with that yeah, i think solid. that's the right mindset for sure because you know everybody fit like you said everybody i i asked you that question you know on the podcast guys like why do you fish you know everybody has their reason you know did you just pick it up did you pick it up you know 15 years ago what does it mean to you like a lot my dad likes going out and fishing because there's cold water running past his waders and he's smoking a cigar you know like if he didn't catch a fish <laughs> he'd still be 100 percent happy you know and there's people that are only geared towards trophy fish, you know, like the trophy hunters, you know, and I, and I get it. It's not easy. It's, it's, uh, there's definitely a ton of, of research and time that goes into that. And I, and I commend those people, um, you know, whether it's photography or trying new flies, if you have a fly tying business, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I think that's the fun part about it is you can kind of take whatever approach, uh, fits you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I, the same way, you know, you got to respect people who are fishing, you know, indicators for stalkers or, you know, they're worm fishing, like respect the guys who are, who are going hard for trophy fish, right? Like it's, it's both ends of the spectrum. Um, people have different preferences and I think just respecting what, what people do and, and not being judgmental about it is, uh, just a better way to bring the whole community together in my opinion. Yeah. Especially, uh, Justin, like Justin squirmy, um, that he loves. <laughs> Don't, right, yeah, don't talk about my squirmy like that. Dude, I think you're going to crush it on the squirmy uh, on our trip, man. A little high water action. You're going to throw that squirmy on, and I'm going to be over on the yeah. bank just, like, retying, and you're just going to be catching so many fish on the squirmy. Yeah, I doubt that. <laughs> I think all my squirmies melted. Did my, they melt? <laughs> yeah. And today, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like it was like 90 degrees out today. Oh yeah, no, that, the heat will do it. The heat will do it. But it yeah. sounds exciting, though, that trip, guys. What? what where are you uh, – where in Colorado are you hitting? I'm not super familiar, but curious to know where you guys are planning. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we we planned this, what, Justin, maybe like a, a month and a half ago or so. We finally, you finally texted me and you're like, hey, man, let's do it. I, I got the time off. So, yeah, about a month and a half ago, yeah? Yeah, I mean, we've been, I mean, we've been talking about this trip probably for about four or five years now. Um, how long have we been fishing together? It's got to be. Yeah, yeah about to... six years, right? Five, six yeah. years. Um, yeah, it's been a minute now. And that's obviously uh, in, the, in our initial podcast, uh, we kind of go over all that. But, um, yeah, Justin's never fished out west at all. Um, so I was like, dude, you got to come out because I'm from Colorado. I've, you know, I fished pretty much in the west primarily most of my life. So my parents actually live in Castle Rock, Colorado. It's south of Denver. And gotcha. within two hours of their house, you know, you're fishing. If you're somewhat familiar with the rivers out there, but you got the South Platte, um, which encompasses the Dream Stream. I'm sure you've heard of that. You got 11 Mile Canyon. You got the Arkansas River. You've got the Blue. You've got the Yampa River, and then um, you know a couple, a couple other really good rivers within you know two hour driving distance. Um, and so. Our main plan right now is just to just to use the weekday to our advantage, you know, probably go up and hit Cheeseman Canyon uh, while there's no crowds, you know, the first couple of days before mm -hmm. the fourth. And then uh, we'll kind of just come back and, and refit and then and then go back out, man. We've got we've got, I think, five days to just hit it 
So that's our plan Sounds right like now. Sounds like a blast. Yeah, and, and yeah. we were kind of like, <laughs> we're trying to plan it so that it was like on the tail end of runoff, and I think we might hit it just right. It looks like the thaw should be complete um, this next week, and then, you know, river, river level should start stabilizing, hopefully, uh, which would be a huge plus for us. But, uh, yeah, man, name of the game is just going to be probably uh, – Lots of stoneflies, lots of uh, lots of you know, lots of worms and uh, and big heavy nymphs and stuff to kind of kind of get down. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's important. I I it's the last last trip, so to speak, that I took. I mean, I, I never actually fished out west like Justin, and it's uh, definitely on my list to get out there. But last last trip I took was was like I mentioned before, up to the west branch of the Osable. Um, up in the Adirondacks in, the up, in upstate New York. And, you know, we usually, so this is kind of like an annual trip my dad and I take, um, usually mid to late May, which is kind of, you know, the beginning of half season, but it can, you know, up there the weather is kind of crazy. And this year was, was no exception. And so water was super high, um, tons of runoff. I mean, it, the flows were so strong. It was actually, you know, borderline dangerous to, to get in the water too much. So, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, big heavy nymphs and and kind of working from from the bank when you can. But uh, you know, you kind of take what's given to you, and and if you you'll, you know you got to make it work. And five days will be you know plenty for you guys to figure it out and have a bunch of fun doing it. So pumped for you. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. I know Justin's Justin probably hasn't been sleeping for the last month. <laughs> oh, it, it's been bad. It's been real bad. I mean, I, I've been I've been pretty busy at work, but uh, which is keeping me uh, keeping me grounded here. But yeah, I mean, it's all I can think about, and I just wish uh wish there was more hours in the day to tie flies, you know, or at least get like a a mobile tying station in my uh, my work truck or something going here. So <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll be tying plenty of flies out in the uh, out in the bank, which is uh, you know one of Bryce and I's. It's our specialty, so we got huh. pretty good at it. So you you guys will actually like tie them out there then? Oh yeah, yeah. We have um, Very cool. we, yeah, we put together like little uh, like you know just mobile like compact like you know old um, old vices and you know really it's just um, you, you use the essentials so it's pheasant tail, um, some hare's ear dubbing, uh, maybe some copper wire, and um, you know I'll, I'll usually include like you know, some flash material and you can really tie most of anything with that. I mean, you can get away with stoneflies, you know, out of pheasant tail or hare's ear. You can get away with, um, all kinds of mayflies, get away with midges with just thread. Um, you get like real, you know, uh, real crazy with it and real, uh, creative and you can pretty much get away with anything, uh, which is kind of neat. So that's the, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the uh, you know the old uh, you know drinking a couple a uh, couple beers after fishing all day and you know killing the night you know so yeah sounds like a good time you guys will have a blast I'm sure um I know we're uh, we're running a little short on time here getting close um one other thing that I would I'd be curious to hear your opinion on um I know I think I think CJ and Ben uh, have been kind of leading the charge on this and it's gotten me kind of interested I've never really thought about it that way but uh justin and i obviously use well we use different rods but we both have you know 10 plus foot uh check nipping rods you know for for tight lining and um you know typically we're running you know um 
the the setup that we talk about in the blog but um, you know using micro micro streamers or you know micro food sources that are large enough to uh, initiate a take from from a predatorial fish but not so big that you know you're you're just identifying them and they won't commit and I've I've done a lot of reading on it uh, land and mayor uh, has a great pattern, which is the the mini leech, uh, which I tied actually a bunch of to try on this trip. But, you know, the idea of it being, um, you know, a non-invasive food source, right? It's big enough that it's worth their time to eat it and expend the energy, but it's not uh, something that they identify that's going to escape where they would have to waste all their energy uh, per se. And so you're, will, you're, you're more likely to get, uh, you know, a take uh, on a leech, uh, then you are, you know, a six, six inch, uh, you know, sex dungeon, if you will, uh, you know, yeah. uh, bait fish pattern. I, I don't know your thoughts on that, but they, they basically just dri- dead drift these streamers, you know, up in the, up, up on those creeks. And it's, it's just awesome to see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What, what size are those, those, uh, streamers that they're, they're throwing? So I don't, I don't know what size they're running, but I would say anything from like a six to a 14 or a 16 could be, you know, quote air quotes, um, you know, a micro streamer. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, the, the leeches that I tied were on size 14 and 16, uh, hooks. So it's, it's still small, but you've got that rabbit strip, right. That's coming off the back. So when it's wet, it's still yeah. giving that profile of a larger, larger item. The hook is just smaller. Um, mm-hmm. kind of an interesting, gotcha. uh, yeah. Concept, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I haven't, um, actually haven't, dove too deep into like the, the micro streamer stuff that you're talking about and mm-hmm. you know, long rods and you yeah. know you know checking the thing all that so so i don't want to speak out of place but it sounds you know really really interesting something that i'd like to read up on more and um you know i, I think you know you mentioned that that trade-off between you know expending energy and and actually getting the, the quote-unquote uh, return on investment for that that uh that <laughs> exactly. that movement and I think um, I think it's a really interesting uh, kind of trade-off there, um, and I, I've written about it a little bit, and I you know probably will again in the future. But finding, you know, especially especially targeting bigger fish, right? Like finding what that size is that you know will will still draw a strike, as you mentioned, right? You don't want to just get follows or get fish, you know, eyeing it and then going back to their lives. So you know, pushing it, pushing the size up, but not too far right and i think i think that at least again I'm, I'm i haven't done it myself but i think if i were in that situation just kind of testing the upper limit right like moving up a little bit in size seeing how big i can get and kind of reading how fish are reacting to it if i if i'm lucky enough to actually see them you know follow follow the streamer but um just it's just a really interesting concept right that that metabolism and and how efficiently fish can can actually get their meals i think it's fascinating stuff yeah and one of the things justin and i have actually talked about um is using using a big streamer like that as a tactic to draw um to draw a fish out just simply to know where 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 it hangs out right so 
if there's a log mm-hmm. jam and I throw an eight inch streamer and he comes after it, but it's really just to chase it away, right? He didn't actually commit to the fly. I now know that he's in there, right? right? And I come back maybe at the end of the day, here I am with my tandem rig. I got a juicy stone fly on there and a, and a micro streamer, right? That he will eat. Mm-hmm. I run it right through there. And more often than not, man, these guys are picking these fish off, right? In a more of a nymphing uh, type setup than, you know, your traditional streamer. Uh, streamer setup so that's that's another thing to think about you know um, using it as a as an identifier and then going back and and catching them a different way and and adjusting your approach like you said you know finding that line between uh, you know a a follow and and a take so yeah yeah totally I like the I like the idea of kind of you know, doing it you know early in the day and then coming back at the end right like absolutely a lot of times when you know you you know, you park in one spot and you're, and you're, you're moving up to moving up river. So you got to come back at some point. And I, I like that, uh, that approach. I've never actually, you know, thrown a fly with the intention of not necessarily catching the fish, but I think, I think it's a really interesting way to go about it. And, um, something that I'll take with me next time I'm out yeah. on the water. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, well, cool. Yeah, this has been this has been awesome, um, Justin. I uh, don't want to cut you off. You have any you have anything else uh, to add? No, no. I mean, I could sit here and talk all night. Oh yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> you know, but uh, glad glad that you're uh, you're able to take some stuff away from this because uh, we definitely are um, learned a lot and uh, you know look forward to uh, you know seeing more of your your blog posts and your your captions on your Instagram and um, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, totally, guys. Thank you for having me, and and I've really enjoyed the conversation too. I could could go on that. Unfortunately, I, I got to go, but um, I really enjoyed it, and uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing seeing the podcast up and and reading some of your blog posts, and um, it's a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, once again, so just to reiterate, so fishing on the fly uh, underscores your is your Instagram handle. Um, really right. great captions. Uh, love the content. Really great photos, as you said. Just just a great platform for sharing. And you know, Justin said it pretty well there. So, uh, yeah, man, it was a pleasure having you on. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, guys. Have fun on your trip. All right, thanks, man. All right, thanks, man. All right. Well, that wraps up episode thirteen. Uh, I'm Bourbon and Browns. Thanks again to Andrew Purdy, uh, Instagram handle fishing on the fly underscore uh, for coming on the show. Uh, really enjoyed it, man. Had a had a great conversation. We talked about a lot of stuff uh, that I think everyone can benefit from. So uh, as always from us here at Bourbon and Browns, I uh, hope you guys have a phenomenal week. Hope you're able to get out on the water. And as always, tight lines.